Hey, everybody. Welcome to the No Pants Required podcast. I'm your host, Jen Mann. And today I'm wearing a skirt. I like a breeze. My guest for this episode is James Breakwell. James Breakwell is the pseudonym of a comedy writer and father of four girls aged 11 and under, best known for his comedy Twitter account, Exploding Unicorn, which has over 1.1 million followers. Breakwell has appeared in many online magazines and news sites, including profiles by USA Today, Us Weekly, Metro, The Telegraph, Cosmopolitan, so many more. He has penned articles that have appeared in Reader's Digest, The Federalist, and Ask Men. He is also the author of several books, including the 2017 Only Dead on the Inside, A Parent's Guide to Surviving the Zombie Apocalypse, a mashup of traditional parenting advice book and a zombie survival guide. His first venture into mainstream science fiction, The Chosen 12, was published in January 2022. Please welcome James. Hey, you guys. All right, today I have kind of an interesting guest for me. I don't usually have guys on here. You know that, right? I think I've only had like one dude that I've interviewed so far. It's not that I don't like guys. I do. I love men. Of course I do. But I just have never really found any that I want to talk to. So today, <laughs> ouch. <laughs> so today, though, I've brought on James Breakwell because I do want to talk to him. So you may know him maybe as like Exploding Unicorn. You may know him from his funny, funny books. But I really, this is the first time I've heard his voice. This is the first time I've like maybe even seen your face, perhaps. I think I see you on Instagram every now and again. Do you have a pig? Why do I think you have a pig? I have two pigs. I have I have plural pigs. There it is. See, I knew. And and so, but I wanted to speak to him. We have been sort of social media friends. Is that, I don't know what we call mm-hmm. ourselves. Um, and over the years. And so when I was thinking about the list for this year of who I want to interview, this is, it's all about being in the right place at the right time. I think I'm such a pantser, which is weird because I hate pants, but I'm such a pantser that James has do you have a newsletter that comes out daily? Does that shit come daily? No, it's, uh, well, it does now. If you're a paid subscriber, it comes out five days a week. But the actual main free newsletter is just on Mondays. It comes out and then there's some additional content if you're a paid subscriber. So ma- ma- mon- mainly Mondays. I think that's what you contacted me after was one of the Monday newsletters. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, he sent out a newsletter and I was like, I'm going to try to reply to this because my newsletter people can reply to and they're always sort of like, does this work? <laughs> you know? so, yeah, then- they're always shocked. <laughs> And so I did the same thing because I'm like, I'm too lazy to look up his real email, but like, I really want to talk to him. So I replied back and I was like, hey, does this work? And it did. So thank you so much for coming on, James. Thank you for taking the chance and joining us. I am. I am up for talking to anybody. It's probably going to get me kidnapped and murdered someday, but I I just keep showing up. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? Like, you know, I can't tell you how many times, like how many times like a week do you get like, do you get solicitations to be on like a podcast or like a Facebook live or an Instagram live? You know, it it goes through spurts and I'm, I used to be like, yeah, I'm going to go on every podcast. And after a while you're like, well, some of so this one's an hour and that's fine because you know, you're cool to talk to. And I know you have people who actually listen, but sometimes it's like, some guy who uh, literally has two listeners and he's like, you, so you want to talk for an hour and a half? And I'm like, you know, maybe, maybe there comes a time I have to like 
have boundaries. I, I might have <laughs> finally gotten to that point. Am I that desperate for those extra two listens that I need to give you an hour and a half? I just, there aren't that many hours in a day. So I'm, right? I am currently struggling with that. It is hard because I know early on when I started writing, I'd read, I don't know who even wrote this article. It was some list about ways mm-hmm. to get your name out there as a new author. And it was like, never say no to a podcast, even if it has two listeners and one is, you know, the, the host mom, you should mm-hmm. totally be on the podcast. And never say no to a book blurb. And because that's one more book that has your name on the cover. And so I had that motto for a long time at the beginning. And now I'm like, I'm putting up some boundaries. So I appreciate you letting me through your boundaries and joining me because oops. (laughs) You are, you're kind of a big deal. You were, you were a big deal ever before I I got a foothold. I mean, back when I was on the outside looking in of books and I'm like, you were like the person I wanted to be like you met you. You're still the person I want to be. You made the you made the New York Times bestseller list. I am I am not to those heights. Well, now see now, and I'm going to fangirl back because I'm going to say that like so. If you don't follow James on Twitter, you should follow him on Exploding Unicorn. It's and it's just in the, with an X, right? Just X. Yeah, yeah. Exploding they Unicorn. They didn't give me enough letters to put the E in there. I was sad, so I became <laughs> <Yeah>. an X. <laughs> and he's so funny on Twitter, and I think Twitter is my Twitter is my hardest one. I have such a hard, even when they gave us more characters like a few years mm-hmm. ago, I still have the hardest time. I need a thousand words to be funny. And I don't, <laughs> I really admire anyone who can do it on Twitter. And you're one of the people who always makes me laugh. And a few years ago, I wrote a book called Working with People I Want to Punch in the Throat. And I was self publishing this book. And it, mm-hmm. and it had been rejected by my publisher. They didn't like it. And so oh. I was really kind of doubting it. And I thought, well, fuck it. I'm just going to publish it anyway. <laughs> See what happens. And so I reached out to James. I was like, hey, would you like give me a blurb? Because, you know, it would be your name on the cover of a book, which I heard is really cool. <laughs> Would you give me a blurb? And your blurb, you probably don't even remember what you said. I do bl- remember. I com- I compared it to Dances with Wolves because I had just <laughs> finished, or it was it was the only other book I read in like one sitting. It was Dances with Wolves, and it was your book. It was that I don't remember. I didn't remember the title, but it was that neon green book with yeah. the keyboard keyboard on the cover. Yeah, I loved that book. They're working with I, people. I, I, I read it paced around my house. Yeah, my wife <laughs> and, thought I was crazy. Well, he came back with the most amazing email and blurb, and I was like, oh my god. Like he gets it. He gets me. Like he understands what I was trying to do because I was so defeated. Like my publisher was just like, I don't know about this. Like this feels weird. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I was, I was all about that book. I felt like we were the same person. I was like your, your logic, your humor all through that. I was like, I guess this is, I was, I don't know if I've ever been in sync with somebody on a book before as I was with that one. I was, I was all about that book. Well, thank you, because it really gave me the boost I needed that day to kind of hit publish. I was like, well, shit, if James likes it, I'm going to hit I'm going to hit publish. And OK, my other question is, so we're I have no idea when this is going to air. But OK, but today on Facebook, I shared a I shared a book review, which was from I think another book. I can't remember which one of my books, but I try mm-hmm. to share reviews from Amazon. And there was today there was a James who left me a five star review and compared me to the charm of Audrey Hepburn with the mouth of Quentin Tarantino. Was that you? Did you do that too? It was not me. Damn I'm sorry. It, I, oh. th- those are, th- that, that is not how I write. I, I might <laughs> compare you to Dances with Wolves. I'm not, I'm not going to compare you to Audrey Hepburn though. That's not my style. <laughs> well, I think maybe it's just the name then. Cause I was like, oh man. Okay. So that's my other question about, so every James I've ever known, they're always James. Are you Jimmy? Are you, does, who calls you? I mean, Jimmy? James is a pen name. So I just got, I, I mean, really? I'm not going to make up. 
yeah, I'm not going to make up a pen name and then have like a pen nickname. So I just made up James and stuck with that. So that's, that's also why I don't name? leave. Review- no, no, I'm a fraud. I'm exactly the same person, but with a slightly different, very common name. And yeah, just uh, that slight level of separation. Well, kind of like you, your kids aren't really Adolphus and whatever the other Gomer. one was. I, <laughs> yeah, Gomer. I mean, you just got to have a little bit of a buffer. Just And again, there's hundreds and hundreds of people who know me in real life and are very underwhelmed by me and also know about my online activities. But I just wanted a slight degree of separation. So if somebody wanted to Google where my kids go to school, they couldn't find them so easy. And like, especially early on too, you know, you're working in a day job and you're writing on the side, I didn't want to get to the point where my employer's like, well, you have to decide between the two. You've mm-hmm. got writing, which pays $0 and you know your job that pays more than $0. Like, I don't want to come to that point just yet. <laughs> so I kept, them se- I kept them separate for a really long time so that by the time they found out, I mean, they didn't have a problem with it. But if they did have a problem, I, I would have been okay. Oh my gosh. You just blew my mind. Like, I feel like I don't even... Okay. So it's got to be John, right? <laughs> It is not. It's just, honestly, my real name is, it's super common. And if you Google it, like I cannot Google my own name and find myself. Like that's how anonymous I am. So I put no, like, you know, my personal Facebook stuff where I follow friends and things like that. Like I never post, I put no effort into it and I have a very common name. So if you search for my real name, like first 10 pages of Google listings, I do not pop up. I'm just awesome. Yeah. But then again, I, I'm also super obvious. I mean, I got recognized the other day, like on a European river cruise. I was in the middle of the Rhine River. I've been recognized like five times in my life and somebody found me there. It was my my big shot moment and also my, but then, you know, I hung out with them and, and very much, I think, disappointed them in person. So then that brings you down to earth real, Isn't that always real like, quick. Oh. Or my yeah. favorite is like, say something funny, like make me laugh, Jen. Yeah. You know? Just like, well, you know, I'm on a cruise with my family. Do you mind? Well, you mentioned earlier Twitter being hard. I think Twitter is hard. So actually, my favorite way to write is your favorite way to write. I like having a thousand or two thousand words. It is so easy to be funny over a thousand and two thousand words. It is torture sometimes to be funny in 280 characters. I'll get to the end of the day and I'll have written like a 2000 word newsletter. It's like, I only I only tweeted twice. Can I think of one (laughs) other thing to tweet? Can I think of 280 more characters? And I cannot do it. It is so hard. It's it's like to me, it's like, you know, stand up, I think. Like, you know, you know, it's like you gotta have the setup and the punchline, setup and punchline. Like I don't have that. Mm -hmm. And and I know I I admire people who can do it because my Twitter is just me yelling at mostly at corporations who have upset me. You know, my luggage is missing or something. And that's because when your name is throat punch on Twitter, people respond to you. They're scared of you. So that's the only reason why I use Twitter. I don't it's know. funny that you should that you should say stand up because that that that's another skill that's totally different. People do they ask you have you done stand up? They'll ask me that from time to time. And have you ever done it? I have. Yeah. Have you? Oh, you have. I have never I have. done it. But then yeah. another author got in touch with me. She she's been doing stand up and killing it. She's like, you want to come open for me? I'm like, yeah. You know, I see people do it on TV. Like, I'd like to try that once. And that date is coming closer and closer. And I haven't written a thing. And at first, I was like, you know what? I should I should do this and go to open mic night and get a tight five and practice. And to go to open mic nights, you have to like bring people with you. And I I have no problem going up there and humiliating myself in front of strangers. I mean, I do it in <laughs> front of tens of thousands of people a day. I, you know, whether in writing and then, you know, I'll do videos and stuff. People see it. I don't care about being stupid on there. And some of those get really big audiences, but then like, I'm going to go in front of 300 people there and I, 300 strangers, I can do that, but I cannot bring myself to ask five of my friends 
walk into this room with me and waste a night of your life watching me so you so I can go up there for five minutes and pretend to be funny. Like I just that, that's a bridge too far. So I'm gonna I'm gonna write something. I'll practice it at home. I'm gonna go up there and I'm gonna wing it and I'm never gonna do it again. That's my game plan. What if you love it? What if you get up there and you just absolutely love it? Then what? You know that that would be that would be worse. I probably will love it because so you know writing you never hear anybody laugh like it just Mm-mm. you get silence. So you, I'm so comfortable telling jokes into silence, especially like even I'll do I'll do monologues and stuff and post them on you know Substack or whatever. I do podcasts. There's still there's just no laughter. I'm not used to that response. And I gave a wedding speech the other day and it was just intoxicating. It's like wait people respond. This is this is the <laughs> reaction to a joke. So I probably will like it, but it's such a dangerous road because stand up doesn't lead anywhere. Like everybody in stand Stand up is trying to get out of stand up and they're trying to get into movies or into books or into act into literally anything else because it is so hard to make a living at stand up. So yeah, it would not yeah. it would not be a good use of my time. Who is your friend who's on the who's your friend who's doing who's doing stand up? Oh, Jen Fulweiler. She's uh, oh. she's a fa- she was she had a, a radio show and she's a famous author. She got her special on Netflix or Hulu. It was really good. And I found out she I was like, who picked you up and did this? Like she did this herself. I mean, she yeah. financed her own comedy tour, went, got good, filmed it and got it on a major streaming service. Like that is that is inspiring. So I interviewed Jen Fulweiler. And if you're listening, really? folks, you can go back. I don't know how many episodes from here, but back in the first. Oh, like probably 10, 15 episodes of this podcast, I interviewed Jen mm-hmm. and she told me all about how she did her her stand-up show. And yeah. it gave me, I mean, I'm pretty risky, but it gave me flop sweat. But then she came, I live in Kansas <laughs> City and the closest she came was Topeka. And she came to Topeka like maybe a month and a half ago, two months ago. Mm-hmm. And I went and saw her on stage and it was funny. You would be a really good opener for her because this was something we were talking about before we got started. Before we got started, I was like, oh, by the way, you can absolutely swear because this is my podcast and I drop F- F-bombs like commas. <laughs> and you were like, oh, I try not to swear. She does all clean comedy. Like her yeah, whole routine was yeah. like all clean. So that's why I'm like, you'd be really good because I would be bad at that. But she's, oh, you should absolutely do it. What city are you going to do it in? In Bloomington, Indiana. So it's a, it's an hour and a half from here. So that's why she thought of me. It's like, it, you know, it, it it really, it's not going to hurt her any to let me go up there and fail beforehand. So you know what? I'll, I'll give it a shot. It'll, at least I can say I've done it once. Absolutely. And then, uh, and then never again. <laughs> Yes. No, that's awesome. That's so that's very exciting. Yeah, she did she's she's a force, man. I mm-hmm. I interviewed her and she told me all her secrets and she was like, Oh, you Ooh. can absolutely do it. And I was like, Oh, I absolutely cannot do that. Like there's no way. Just spoiler alert, she put the whole thing on a credit card, y'all, and then had to sell tickets Whoa. after that. And I was like, wow. <laughs> my husband would like divorce me. <laughs> so nope, we're not gonna no. do that one. <sighs> I'm going to have to go back and listen to that episode. Yeah, it's a really, it's really good. She, she divulged all of it. You know, that's the thing. I mean, I, I was telling James before we get started here that my whole thing is I don't really have, I never really have a game plan. (laughs) Those who are Mm -hmm. listening are like, we know, no, but like, I really don't think about what other people want to know. I always just think about like what I want to know. And so for her, yeah, I was like, tell me how you did that. Like, tell me, Mm -hmm. because we've all watched her. We've all watched, Mm -hmm. you know, her rise over social media. We all watched her special. And so I was like, you were once like us. Like, you know, like, what? How did you do that? And so my question for you, because what I'm seeing you do that's different is the Substack. You're Mm -hmm. doing, you've got some sort of subscription system going on. Yes. 
Tell me about that. that. I I wish I would have done it years ago. So this is this is my huge missed opportunity thing. So you probably you're probably in the same boat I do. People will message you about like new social media stuff like every week. Come join our new service for this or that. And I get so many and I've never seen one actually make it. And it's just like, I can't, I can't do a million services. I'm already on, you know, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram for a while. I did Snapchat. That was a nightmare. I tried to do YouTube. I do the newsletter. It's like, I don't, I'm not looking to like cross post another place. So anyway, there was this very nice guy who messaged me like about these paid newsletters. And at the time, I either didn't have a newsletter yet or was just getting it off the ground. And I, I said, I'm not going to do that. Then a few years later, I got in touch with me again, and I actually had a pretty strong newsletter going. But it's like, I am killing myself to get people to sign up this for this for free. You are insane if you think somebody's going to pay me money for this. Like, I just, I, I have to beg them to come read my free content with the hope that they'll like me so much that maybe someday, 25 free articles down the road, they'll buy one book. Mm -hmm. uh, so it turns out the guy who was emailing me, who I was blowing off, was the founder of Substack. <laughs> like it wasn't like some guy. He was like the guy who created He's the it. guy. <laughs> that guy. He was the guy. Yeah. So when I found out Substack was when I find. So I, I I realized the error of my ways. I went to a one of my rare in-person book events of Main Street Books in Lafayette, Indiana. They handle all my signed books. Mm -hmm. And so they and they had a bunch left over because you get in this cycle where I would promote it in the newsletter and they'd sell out. So they'd buy a bunch more and then they'd have a bunch left. So I promote those and they'd sell out and they'd, you know, need a few more. They'd buy another batch. Anyway, they had, they had like 60 copies left. So like, let's have an event, see if we can get rid of these 60 copies. So I go up there and there was a newspaper, I used to work in the newspaper up there. And there was another, like a newspaper cartoonist there. And then my old editor from the newspaper dropped in. I've, I've kept in touch with him. And he had been taking a buyout from the paper, as one does from newspapers, because they're terrible places to be that don't make money. But the interesting thing for him was that he had 3,000 subscribers, but enough of them had become paid subscribers that he was making a living off of it. And I was just dumbfounded. I was like, wow. are you kidding me? Off 3,000 subscribers, you know, only a percentage of them are paid. You're like making a full-time living. Like you're not going to find another job. And he said, no, he's making more money doing that than he did the paper. So he had 3,000 subscribers. Well, I had almost 100,000 subscribers. So I was like, well, what am I doing? Yeah. And so I emailed back that CEO who I had blown off. He did <laughs> not respond to my emails. <laughs> um, but I, I then I got in touch with him and I, I decided to, you know, I, I was like, I could go and fumble my way through this. But I wonder... I wonder if this is one place where I can flex some privilege and take a shortcut. So I emailed him. I'm like, hey, I've got this big list and I'm internet famous, real life nobody. Like, is there is there somebody here who can help me out? And sure enough, they have like a whole department for that. Like I got like the concierge service. Like the next day they had a guy call me and they had a graphic artist and they had an engineer and they had all these people get in touch with me to get the stuff set up. And it was really cool. And, and so, yeah, so we set it up and I structured it. So basically everybody who was getting free stuff before it's, you get the same stuff. You know, I've always been sending out this Monday email, mm -hmm. but now if you pay, if you help support me, you know, there's also a Thursday email. Plus I do other posts throughout the week. I do a web comic with some commentary where I tell you the funny story behind it. I do a discussion thread where I tell you what's going on, what I want to hear about. And then, you know, I just kind of Friday random thoughts. It's all, you know, funny random content out there and, uh, and, and to get subscribers. And, and I put that out there and uh, some people were really supportive and jumped right on, but there were, a, there was a lot of backlash too. People get very upset if you make money 
off of working. Like that is kind of a, a foreign concept to them. And I, I, again, I explained, it's like, you're losing nothing, literally nothing. You get everything you got before. Now there's just some extra stuff that's going to people who give me extra. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the, the hate mail was, was hilarious. It was like, I had one person. So when I did this, like Substack, they also kind of pulled the, the curtain back and they told me like how I should be doing things. So I had been sending out emails on Sunday night because I started doing a newsletter after I went. Do you ever go to Dad 2.0? I never did. It's no. one of the. Okay, it's one of those conventions. They brought me in to speak. I lost my voice. It was a whole thing. I, it was. I had to give a speech in front of three hundred people with no voice. It's like a nightmare scenario. So I figure the stand up routine can't possibly be worse than that. Right. Uh, but anyway, one of the one of the sessions I went to was somebody who talked about her email newsletter and how she would like her entire business was built around it, and that really surprised me. And she said every Sunday night she sent out an email with one link just one call to action and that was it. And so that's what I did for years. I sent out an email on Sunday night with one call to action and that was it. And I went from zero followers, you know, tens of thousands of followers doing exactly that. And then I got in with Substack and they're like, well, in nice words, like you're stupid because you don't want to send out an email in the middle of the night. You want to send it out between 11 a.m. and noon on a Monday because that's when people are at work. And they're tired of working, so they start slacking off. That has the highest email open rate. And the second highest is on Friday, which I I still don't send one on Friday at that time. I'm a work in progress. So anyway, I start sending these things at 11 o'clock on Mondays. And I get this irate message from somebody in Australia saying, how dare you email me in the middle of the night? So first of all, first of all, like email is not like time sensitive. I have emails rolling in 24 hours a day. Like it doesn't disturb my life. I just, it's just a little light on my phone, the little, little email icon I go and check later. But like the fact that she was the only person in the world before who was getting this email during the day and everyone else was receiving it in the middle of the night and just waking it up when they woke up. Then I switched it around. So everybody else in the world got it in the day. And she was the one person who got it at night and she was furious. She unfollowed. It's like, okay, I guess you're gone. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I wonder if she emails like corporations too, or she's like, how dare you gap? I don't care about your sale in the middle of the night. Like if you want to reach me and get me in there to buy some pants, it's going to be on Monday mornings. Well, okay, yeah. so my so I noticed that your newsletter, I don't remember when it was, but it was a couple of weeks ago. You had one which I wondered about because it was something about like you were telling a story and then you get to the mm-hmm. end and then it's like if you want to know how this ends, sign up for Yes, so and that's thought, the one on oh, Thursday. If I did that, like people would burn my house down. Because it was like literally like if you want to know the end of the story, folks, sign up for my Substack and you know, contribute to my Substack. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I was like, Yeah, people would they don't even like it when I put a page break in on my blog oh, and yeah. make them have to click to read more. <laughs> Well, that's, and that's what I was dealing with for years. It was like, okay, I want you. So it's, it's a funnel. Like you, you like me at 280 characters. Maybe you'll like me at 2000 words. If you like me at 2000 words, maybe someday you'll buy a book, buy a book. It's the the stupidest way to make money and take so, so much work, but okay. So that way I switch it up and I go to this, this more direct model of subs. Like I've still got the books. I've still got that all here, but okay. So this Thursday newsletter would not exist were there not paid subscribers. Like if I was not getting paid to write these things, there'd be the free email and only the free email. But now there's the free email and also this other one. And to see if you want it, I'll even give you some of it free. And I had to finally, after all the hate mail, I had to send out a thing. And it's like, look, guys, 
If you don't want to read the Thursday one, that's fine. Just just when it pops in your box on Thursday, delete it. If you have such poor impulse control that you're going to read the first paragraph and become super enticed, but also be so resistant to ever paying me that you're just going to send me hate mail instead, just don't. I mean, if you think about it from my point of view, like what do I, what you, you've clearly expressed to me that you will never, ever be a paid subscriber. You are at, you are so interested in this that you're going to email me about how interested you are and how this article ends, but you won't pay for it. Mm-hmm. You also won't even take out a paid a free subscription and then immediately cancel. You just want <laughs> it's like clearly you will never subscribe. We have no we have no financial future here. I gain nothing from this relationship. I'm going to delete your email and remove you from the list. Like it just right. you kind of outed you. yourself there. Oh, yeah. so how much? So how much is the Substack? As you can tell, I'm not it's, a paid subscriber yet. <laughs> it's it's five it's five it's five dollars. Anyway, and sometimes oh, and there's some, like there's an month? option you can pay more if you yeah five dollars a month. So oh. it costs as much as Apple TV. Like, am I as good of a deal as Apple TV? Absolutely not. I don't I don't have for all mankind on there. But at the same time, if you email for all mankind in the middle of the night because you're mad about the time their email showed up, they're not going to respond to you. Like, I'll respond to you. I see everything you do. I, I, you know, I go in there in the comments and I respond to people. It's it's a back and forth. So Substack, it's basically, it, it, it creates more of a relationship. So with a million people, you never really know who to yes. focus on. But right. this, it's like, okay, so I've got this massive list of people who will read my stuff maybe for free. And then mm-hmm. I've got a tiny core of people who really support me, who it turns out are more important to my future than everybody else combined. It's like, okay, so where am I going to concentrate my efforts? So it, it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I've, I I get it. There's paywalls on the internet. I don't go out and subscribe to everything out there. Every time the New York Times tells me to pay a dollar, I roll my eyes and click off of it because there's 25 other news sites. At the <laughs> same time, there are some creators, some small town cre- time creators. So I'm like, I appreciate your content. I like what you're doing. And I want to support you. So it's one of those things, you know, so you may, may make what choices you want. I'm not putting a gun to anybody's head and telling them they've got to pay me $5. This is a free relationship. I can, I can send you free content on Mondays for the rest of your life and, and never expect anything of you. But if, if you're going to send me hate mail that I also allow a very small number of people to support me for what I do, I'm going to block you. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, that is crazy to know this because I've, you know, for years, I have been so resistant to anything because I hate, I hate when people like send me stuff and say like, you, mm-hmm. I don't like that you did this. Like I never did a pop-up on my blog for the longest time, like a mm-hmm. pop-up subscribe because I felt oh. like pop-ups were so annoying and people would, you know, come after me about pop-ups, but then ask me if I have a hundred thousand people on my newsletter list. I do not because I never did pop-ups <laughs> and I never did, you know, like. And so now I'm listening to this. I'm like, God dang it. I have to do a sub stack, don't I? <laughs> you, know? you do. I, I mean, you think, I think about so. it. Okay. How many books can you we're, write? We're in the same boat. And you and you probably make more money off books than I do. Because first of all, you're a bigger deal. But second of all, some of your stuff is self-published. And I think the rate of return is just a lot better on that. But yeah. like if you write through a traditional publisher, you know, it's the usual seven and a half percent. I mean, what do you really make off a book? Like a a, a buck thirty-three, something like that. A dollar. I usually round down to a dollar when I'm thinking about it. It's like, okay, I've written, I have six books out there. So if you buy one copy of every book, I can make six dollars off you ever. Mm-hmm. Or I can set it up that I can make $5 a month and it's recurring. <laughs> like I, I don't yeah. have anybody who's going to buy 60 books a year for me. There's not one person out there. My biggest fan in the world. My mom will not buy 60 books a year from me. Yeah. But there are now a bunch of people who are going to pay me 
sixty dollars. Well, it's actually cheaper. That's like it's it's money off if you do the whole year. So it's like fifty dollars if you do the whole year. Okay. And there's a bunch of people who do that. And I just sit there and I look at the math, and it's like I would be. I would be stupid not to do this. Not only am I finally getting paid and you make, unlike books where you make seven and a half percent of the money on Substack, you make 85% of the money, okay. like 14 or 15% goes to credit card fees and to Substack itself. And the rest is just yours. And I mean, you got to pay taxes and all that once you get it, but like the, sure. the actual it's portion <laughs> that shows up in your bank account is 85% of what people pays. And that's an insane rate of return. You're not even going to get that on self-published books. I was going to say, I don't get that, that on Amazon. No, I don't get that yeah, on, it, on self-pub. And uh, it's the kind of writing I like to do. It's the kind of mm-hmm. writing I've, I've always liked to do that blog style. Hey, I'm going to sit down and tell a story and just riff for a thousand or two thousand words. That's what I want to do. I like that. I like writing books. Especially I've broken into fiction. It's fun writing fiction, but you spend a year or two writing it and it comes out and people buy for it, buy it for two months and then you never hear about it again. But like, you can or like just the keep telling these stories. Like that's what kills me is like the non-compete clause that it's like I can't publish anything for so long before and after a book really? comes out. Yeah. Like I have all these like clauses. And so I feel like my iron cools down like in between books. Mm. Whereas if I'm self-published and I'm sitting there listening to them like 60 books a year. Yeah. Like I can't even write can't. 60 books a year. No. I can think of one person that would buy 60 books a year. And I know you're listening to this podcast right now and I know you'd buy them and I appreciate you. And you may be my first Substack subscriber. <laughs> It might but, just be but, you and me, girl. <laughs> but the other thing is that I wasn't sure where I was going to. Well, it's, it's stability because yeah. books are so up and down, and sometimes it's you, and sometimes it has nothing to do with you. Sometimes it's the market, what's going on in the world right now. I don't know what what you found, but I found that right now it's kind of hard to get books off the ground. There were times where I, I and it, there's no rhyme or reason for what they pay for stuff. I found like the the books I've been paid the most for sold the fewest. The books I've paid been paid the least for sold the most. It's over. I mean, you're looking, give me a weird look over there. <laughs> you have some secret knowledge. No, I'm just sort of surprised. I'm thinking about my book sales that like everything, everything. So the next deal I get always goes back to the last deal. Like it's like, well, how many books did that, did that mm-hmm. book sell? And so like with Midlife Bites, while we were like negotiating the advance for Midlife Bites, in the meantime, I just kind of mentioned in passing to my agents, I was like, oh, you know, people I want to punch in the throat, like it just earned out, which means like Mm -hmm. I had earned back all of my advance. My publisher had made back all my advance. And so, and which is like a big deal for the publishers because now it's all like gravy, right? Mm -hmm. And so, Mm -hmm. so my agent was like, oh, oh, well, I didn't realize that. Like, let's go back and get more, you know? And, and like, so I'm always sort of thinking like, oh, I got to do better because I got to get a better deal next time. So I'm surprised to hear that you get good deals on the books that didn't sell well and then vice versa. Like- so that I'm, I'm talking about just the advance. So okay. so my first, my books for uh, my parenting comedy books, those all earned out. Okay. Uh, but you, I, I think in general, it's easier to make money off your first one because or your early ones because they don't know you and they're taking a shot. It's like buying a lottery ticket. Mm-hmm. So, and they don't have any data on you, so they don't know. But yeah, like, so I, I wrote four books with the same publisher and they increased it by a little bit each time. But what didn't necessarily increase is foreign rights. So I, I made way more 
off those early books because it got translated into French and Portuguese and Polish and uh, Korean. I mean, it, it, they got UK localizations. And so people were just taking shots in the dark. And each one of those deals individually wasn't that huge. But if you get four or five of them, it adds up. Yeah. But then by like book three, they have data and they're like, oh, maybe James Breakwell isn't such a big deal in Poland. And then there's no <laughs> Polish book deal for that. I also, I, I switched. So I went... Uh, so my biggest deal was one that I didn't even pitch. They came to me. It was my guided journal for for children. And that one, they came to me and they came to me with the price. And I was like, oh, that's what you want to pay me. Yes, that's definitely what I made for my other books. Please pay me this. <laughs> and then I've had so many times that the person who comes in and, and takes on the project, in fact, twice now at least it's happened where the person who buys your book immediately leaves the company and they pass it off to somebody who very much doesn't want it. So that, that's what happened with that one. But then then I went to fiction and they have no data whatsoever for what a fiction book for me will sell. And I can't, you know, it's like, okay, you're a parent and comedy writer and now you're writing science fiction and you have proof of zero science fiction fans. You have no audience whatsoever in here. So so then that was that was at a different rate, you know. And then that one got bought up by somebody and the and the person who bought it again immediately switched companies. That one I'm super proud of though because I wrote it and it sold and it made it to a book 2 with no champion in the publisher. Like I, I, I feel like called? that's like the, that's uh, the, the chosen 12, the, the chosen, chosen 12. 12. That's my that's my against all odds victory story. I was so happy. I've always kind of want, you know, I, I enjoy comedy writing and, and I want to do it long term, but I always had some sci-fi ideas kicking around my head. It was like, it'd be really cool to write fiction someday. And I did it and I got to book two. I don't know if I'll make it to book three or book four or anything else, but I feel like I, I made it to book two. I, I, I achieved some, some meaningless personal milestone that only matters to me. So I was pretty excited about that. But they, they, anyway, the point being with all of that is yes, the earnings from the from the publishers up front went up by a little bit up until I switched to fiction, then it went down. But yeah. like the back end stuff, you know, the foreign rights and stuff wouldn't necessarily go up. And it was just a shot in the dark. You just get an email one day and you're like, boom, this other deal came in. Now you're gonna make this much more money. Or you got no emails. You don't you just you have no idea what the earnings are gonna be. And with royalties and stuff, it just it's so haphazard that I guess I think you're a full-time writer. I'm not at the point where I could do that because I just don't know when the money's going to come in. And that's especially true with, with, with social media. So social media ads, I mean, there were situations, there were times where I could make more money in a week with ads on Twitter than I could make in a year selling books, like oh. with, without question, or even not just selling books, even writing the book, you know, it's just with the advance, it, it, but you have no idea when it's going to come, you know, mm -hmm. you're, you're sitting there minding your own business and big name company comes out of nowhere. They've got, you know, they have their go between company and all of a sudden last minute, they're desperate because they've promised big company. They're going to get so many influencers and they don't have anybody. Will you help us out? It's like, yeah, I can mm -hmm. help you out for a price. And all of a sudden, you know, this manna from heaven falls down. You're like, this is incredible. I could be the richest man on earth. And then you don't get another ad deal for a year and a half. Like, so it's it's yeah. so hit or miss. It, it is. Yeah, I feel it like is. a business genius when it happens, but when it goes away, yeah. It's well, like, okay, it's, it's a good thing I have a day job. Right. Well, I always have something like I always have like a line item in my like my projected budget for the next year. It's always like, I'm always mm -hmm. like, and unknown, like I'll get thousands of dollars <laughs> unknown from, you know, I'm like, and my husband's always like, where's it going to come from? I'm like, I don't know. Like, you know, KFC will reach out. I don't know. Like somebody will just, <laughs> somebody will just like, you know, I'm like, someone will just send me an email and I'll be like, yeah, yeah, I'll sell that. That sounds fine. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, and I'll just make money that way. But yeah, I always say like, whenever I'm teaching like other writers, like 
I'm always like, you have to have like 80 revenue streams or else you can't mm-hmm. be, you can't do this. Like there's nobody who's just, unless you're like Stephen King or something, like no one's just sitting in a cabin writing books mm-hmm. and like, you know, cashing checks. Like it just doesn't work that yeah. way. <laughs> and and I keep I I, mean, I keep circling the point. I have I guess I haven't made it like I wanted to. But so anyway, the the income from every other stream is just chaos everywhere. Yeah. Substack isn't. You can see how many subscribers you have and how much they're going to pay you per month, and it's super predictable. And huh. so right now, I you see I see I'm just slowly every month, every month, more people are finally like, oh, I guess I've been reading this free content long enough. I guess I'll give them five bucks. And so it's slowly building. Could it go down? Yeah, but it's probably not going to drop by like a hundred subscribers suddenly. Like right. any the up and the down is gradual. So suddenly in this sea of chaos, there's like steady monthly income. And this is the first time. Like so far, everything I've done, it's like, well, I'm going to write, and then maybe if I win my lottery ticket of a book, it gets picked up for a movie deal, then I quit my day job she makes so much more money you can't you can't fail like other mm-hmm. like short of that it's like i need health insurance i've got four kids to put through college how could i ever quit my day job all of a sudden with substack i look at this i look at the projections is like you know i could see the day at this rate where i quit my day job and then i have substack plus those other streams of revenue and it doesn't matter if those other streams of revenue are crazy now because i have enough that's steady that i know i'm not going to be homeless well, see, and I think that's where that's kind of when I started noticing Substack was I follow a lot of sort of journalists and on Twitter, mm-hmm. and I saw so many of them moving off and onto that that it was like, listen, I need to, I got to pay my bills, you know, and mm-hmm. I got to do this, yeah. And and I started thinking about it, and I was like, well, I don't know what I would like. I'm going to have to subscribe to yours and see how, like, <sighs> see what you're doing over there because I don't know, you, or teach me a class, charge me and teach me a class. But <laughs> I think that, like, you know, my whole thing is I. I'm such a horrible planner. Like, do you plan out a week's or a month's worth, a week's worth, a month's worth of like posts that you're going to do? Or how do you figure out what you're going to write no. about? So that's what I love about those thousand and two thousand word articles is I can sit down and I can generate them out of thin air. And the best, and actually the, the newsletter and Substack has been good for that because it's made me a better writer and that it's made me faster. I mean, there was a time back when I was blogging for 10 years, making no money that I'd sit there and agonize over every word and try to come up with an idea and work and rework sentences. And now on a good day, I can sit down and in one pass hour or an hour and a half have a pretty much functional article going. So I plan out content in so far as if I know I'm going to be gone for a week, I panic and I'm like, I've got to crank out enough of these articles to be there till I get back. But do and I, I try to get a bit of a lead time now that people are actually paying me for these things. I've got to take it a bit more seriously. But do <laughs> I have it all plotted out? No, absolutely not. So you mentioned a Substack. I should teach a class. So I actually, I am teaching a class coming up in uh, next month. Have I written my 75 minute lecture? No, I think I'm going to do what I'm doing right now and <laughs> just go there and ramble. I've got that comedy special coming up. Have I have I done my opening thing? No, I've got a new site. I got to the second sci-fi book. Have I started writing it? Also, no. But you know what I'm doing? I'm doing Substack because they pay me <laughs> and I've got to keep that coming out. I think that's the thing. That's my, my priorities are wrong. I'm like, I would have my comedy down. I would have my class down. So are you teaching a class on Substack? What is your class about? Oh, it's not, it's not on Substack. So it's like Irma Bombeck. Well, it's Irma Bombeck. I had like as a humor workshop thing. And I, they, they reached out to me a couple of years in a row to judge stuff. And then finally I said, I didn't, you know, talking about the boundaries. I was like, look guys, it's a good organization. I, I just don't have time to read a bunch of other people's stuff right now. And so after I blew them off, they came back to me and apparently somebody else was also too busy and it was their newsletter person. So they have, they bring in somebody for two days at Dayton college 
mm-hmm. uh, or the collagen date, and maybe it has a different name. And she would just teach them how to do these newsletters. I thought oh. that could actually, I don't have much of value to teach anybody, but I can teach you how to get newsletter subscribers. I can do that. And somebody taught me, I mean, they, they showed me the basics. They didn't necessarily teach me how to hook people in and get them to subscribe. That part is an art form, but I can, I can go there and do that. And I will have people listen to me and pretend I'm important for an hour and pretend I know what I'm talking about. So sure. I'll go there and do that. So that, that's what I'm doing. It's not like I have a college course. I'm going there for two days and offering two sessions on it. Right. Well, and will you record it and send it to me and I will Venmo you? <laughs> I, need, I could, I could, <laughs> I need a newsletter. Tell course. you everything. <laughs> oh, I could, I could tell you everything I'm going to tell you there, but it's so, you know, the, when you get to the point where they're, they're going to burn down your house if they can't read the end of it, mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. exactly the kind of thing you want to do because they're never going to take action unless you get to that point. So like my, with my, uh, my newsletter, I would put out every week, Hey guys, subscribe. It's totally free. There's literally no downside to doing it. And people who'd read me for years would refuse. They'd absolutely refuse. But then if the barrier to entry is, you know, here's the hook, here's the lead up. And if you want to know how this ends, you've got to click in here and submit your email address. I mean, there were, there were times I'd get a thousand subscribers on a day and it all depended on the story. Wow. Uh, kind of like how if somebody's going to open that email depends entirely on the subject on line. The subject it could be line. the greatest thing you've ever written in your entire life. And if the subject line doesn't appeal to them, they don't even give it a chance. There's, there's nothing fair about this. But if you're not doing the things, that, if I didn't have those Thursday emails where I say, this is what you're missing. If it wasn't good enough to have people sending me angry emails, then I failed at my job that nobody cares. So I'm not writing things interesting enough for them to want. All right. Well, that's a good outlook for me now. I need to change my thinking, I think, because so basically there's no secret. It's what I already know. I'm just uncomfortable with what I have to do. Yes, you have to. (laughs) And I, you have to get ready. You, you have to, you have to remind yourself of what are you getting out of this? And this is going to be part of the spiel that I'm going to give there. So and I, you probably went through this too. I mean, I'm sure you had a point in your life where you were writing and you just nobody read what you wrote. You kind of have to, you know, and so I, I remember I would, there, there was a website called fark.com. I think it's still around, but it's not the powerhouse it used to be. And so I'd write for this blog, my own blog, and I get like on a good day, 50 views. And that was, that was a big deal, but I'd always submit my links to fark and every once in a while they would put my link on there. And I'd get all this hate mail, you know, all the hate messages in the forum and all that. But I would get like thirty five thousand views in a day, and it was the wow. biggest high of my life. I would just mm-hmm. sit there hitting refresh. It was incredible, you know. And you get so jaded. So I got to the point with this newsletter where, with the open rate, my open rate was crazy. Where just on my own, I could think up an email and send it out and have it get read by fifty thousand people. And and you're just you're just used to it. Yeah. Uh, but then okay, so I switched to Substack and I lost some followers. And it's like oh no, you know I went from this number to this number. And I had to sit down and think, what are my priorities? Like, is my priority to have the greatest number of free subscribers in the world? What's Uh that going to do to me? Does having 40,000 people read this newsletter, like, is that really any different to my life than having 50,000 people read it for free? No, Uh it's not. What is different is having a certain percentage of those people pay me money. And it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's how many free subscribers could I sacrifice for that? Because I, you know, it, things get to scale. But yeah, it's like really, if somebody comes, somebody I've never heard of before comes and just blows me off. Like you wrote a, I didn't like that joke on Twitter. I'm never following you again. It's like I, I've never heard of you before. You're clearly <laughs> not going to read a joke. You don't have a sense of humor or a tolerance for other people. Like my only interaction with you is this this angry engagement right here. I'm losing nothing by having you go. So it's with newsletters. It's we act like it's us looking for 
you're trying to find the right reader in the same way they're trying to find the right person to read. We're both narrowing that down, that whole funnel of going from the small tweet to the big newsletter, to the paid newsletter, to the book or to whatever else. And so if I have somebody, so I lost a lot of subscribers simply because I would email them that extra time on Thursday and say, here's the start of the article. You can just delete this if you don't even want to be teased. You're still getting all the same stuff as before. And even having the extra option was too much for them. Or like when I started it, the first like first two weeks, I gave them everything for free. They're like, yeah. well, I just don't want to be emailed twice. Well, <laughs> if your line is that I can't email you twice, you're obviously never, ever, ever going to become a paid subscriber. And if you're never, ever, ever going to become a paid subscriber, why am I concerned with your feedback on my paid subscriber service? So it kind of helped me prioritize. So yes, my ego would love to have the biggest audience in the world, but I think it's actually a lot more important to have the right audience. And that's what I'm going for now. Absolutely. It is. It's absolutely. I mean, you've got to find your people and, Mm -hmm. and not worry about those numbers, like figure out who you're writing for and why you're writing for them. And, you know, Mm -hmm. but I look at that though, but I, yeah, I don't know. My ego is, it's tough. I would be like, it is. I mean, it's tough. It's so tough. It's like, cause you're kind of, it's funny when you were saying like, you know, you get to a point where you're like, you know, 25,000 page views, you're like, that's it. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. And now it's like, and then like when I quit because I was upset, cause like, cause I was like, oh, well, I'm, I'm wasting so much time and, and I'm writing all this content for free. And that's when I started mm-hmm. moving to like self-publishing and stuff. Cause I was like, I gotta get paid for this. Like I'm spending so much mm-hmm. time and yeah. you know, and it's like, and it's kind of the same idea of like, how many can you convert from like a million followers, like to like buy mm-hmm. books to do all these things. And so, or like right now I'm trying to migrate everybody off Facebook because I'm like really mad at Facebook and I think I'm going to get banned on Facebook. All my groups oh. are in the, like all my groups are in the red. And so I'm trying to move everybody off Facebook. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to lose so many people. Well, that, <laughs> and that's the thing with all the social media services. You just don't have control. So Substack Mm-mm. or just any email list, it's your list Yeah, and you control it. And that's the most important thing. I mean, you don't own Facebook. You can be kicked off Facebook tomorrow and people are like, well, you only get kicked off Facebook if you have the wrong opinions. It's like, no, you, mm-hmm. you don't understand how this works. It's not like just people out there, you know, commenting on the hot issue of the day and coming mm-hmm. down on whatever the opposite side of Facebook stance is. It's people like you and me who are very much in the family sphere, sphere and should be just completely separated from that. And, and we're not. I mean, no. and they, even when you're not banned, they monkey around with the algorithms. People act like these algorithms are these unbiased things, but they're not. I mean, there are times, so I've got a million followers on Twitter and, and I've got, I don't know, just shy of 300,000 likes on Facebook. And there were times when I would post something on Facebook and I'd get three times or four times more engagement than I would get on, on Twitter. And mm-hmm. it's a control. It's the exact same joke cross posted. Yes. And then it would switch up and I'd post on Facebook and it would be a fraction of what there was before. I mean, they control what you see and what they don't see. My own wife would not see my posts on Facebook mm-hmm. unless she went to the page. And you know, they, they know everything about you. They know we're linked, even through the pen name. They absolutely know. She'd check my page every day and they never show her. And now they're monkeying with it again. They're changing it so that in your personal feed, you see less of your friends and more random content, more content from people like you yes. and me. And that should help us. Only maybe it won't because they decide who they're going to help and who they won't. So when you get right. that email list, there's no algorithm. It just goes out to everybody. 
Now there's still spam filters and all that to fight with. But I mean, in one form or another, your email gets to their inbox and that is, it's so much more reliable and so much more important than depending on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or any of those. See, and that's where I goofed a long time ago. I put all my eggs in social media. I was like, oh, I don't need a newsletter. I was like, I have a blog and I have all these, you know, social media channels. And Mm -hmm. I would just push everybody to the social media channels and I neglected my newsletter and it suffered. And so if you are a new writer, and I I think I say this on every single episode, if you're a new writer, start Mm -hmm. a newsletter today. I don't care if you have five people signed up, just start it today and get going with it because it is so hard to come from behind and try to Mm -hmm. get people on it now when you've given them so much content on social media and to try to move them over there. They're just like, I don't Mm -hmm. know. So interesting. Yeah, it's it, there's no downside to a newsletter. And anytime anybody asks me advice, I give the same thing. I just say, get a newsletter. It's the most important thing. You can mm-hmm. use all the other channels to feed the newsletter, but you've got to have the newsletter because Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, they are not looking out for your best interests. They profit massively off you. Your content makes people go to their site and engage yes. with their site, but they are not afraid to use you up and get rid of you. They well, really and now they're not. switching over to video, which... I mean, and I don't mind doing video, but it's just, it's more consuming and it's just a different way. It's just a whole different medium, you know? And it's like, I, I don't want to do videos. And, you know, I moved to groups when they asked us to move to groups. I did that and I've got (laughs) all these groups and then they took away, I had a group with over 200,000 people that I woke up one day and was gone that they just, yeah, they're like, nah, this group is dead. And first of all, that's incredible. But that's that you that's that's like that's more powerful than anything I have in social media. Congratulations on building that. What what justification did they give for erasing it? Well, it was a humor, so it was a humor group and it was kind of anything goes because, you know. Oh. And and we policed it, but I didn't have I, I didn't have in those days I didn't have moderators. Like now I have moderators for all my groups and you know, and they kind of mm-hmm. watch, you know, and we're very more I'm more picky about who I let in now, but Facebook had actually promoted that group like early on. And so that's how it grew was because of them. Like they grew it. So it was their assholes that came in and, and then I would get all these violations and that's where I am now. Like I have a Facebook group for my midlife bites book and I have about 32,000 women in there, I think at this (sighs) point. And that's the one that's in the red right now. We're in trouble because we complain about men because they, (laughs) they're hormonal you know, middle-aged women and they're like, my husband, you know, left the, the seat up on the toilet mm-hmm. and the comments are like, oh, I hate men. I hate this. I hate that. You know, now it is not women. Mm-hmm. We're not going to kill our men. We don't really hate our men, but the AI bots cannot tell this. And so they're just yeah. like, this is hate speech. <laughs> and so, and so now we're in big trouble. And yeah, so now I mean, I'm worried. It, the bot, I mean, like YouTube, I'm, my kids, it's the only social media that impresses them in YouTube as YouTube. And I've got like 20,000 subscribers on there. And I always think, you know, if I could pick to go viral on one service, I would have gone viral on YouTube. Like that's where the most money is. Like yes. it's YouTube, then Instagram, then Facebook, then Twitter. Where did, where did yeah. I get the biggest? I got the biggest on Twitter, the one with the least money. But, you know, I, so I go on there, but they'll, and I've, I've got a lot of old videos with very few views. And every once in a while, I'll get a message like your, your video has been banned and taken down and i look back and it's me having a handstand contest with my kids like what yeah what was the violation here what what weird sexual content did you get out of that it just right. it's it, and it's just yeah, kind of gross because it's like if you could see the dms that i get like if you could see the messages mm-hmm. i get from people who don't like me and then when i send them to facebook and say like i feel like this was a threat i feel like this was hate speech i feel mm-hmm. like you know and then they come back and they're like i see no problem carry on they, <laughs> so, 
they really might. It's a, it's a, it's just a black box. You don't know yeah. what's going on back there, but they're not there for your interest. And I, I sit here and people, yeah, now I've, I've spent most of this, you know, this broadcast complaining about haters. I think I probably have fewer than almost anybody else I know. So first of all, I just don't read a lot of comments. So like mm-hmm. Substack now, I read every single comment because these people sure. are paying to me. These are the supporters. These guys are the foundation of my writing career. I will read your stuff and respond to you. Mm-hmm. But if I post a risky joke and I see there's 400 comments on Facebook, I am not reading a single one of those. <laughs> like I just, so they're probably- I don't even some, go like, back anymore. <laughs> Yeah, but it's kind of it's kind of created like a protective environment. Like for the most part, like they people who come after me, the other people kind of shout them down. So I think I'm probably just a pansy. Like I probably get fewer haters than anybody else out there. But then that's kind of why the transition to Substack was so shocking because then I started getting the angry emails directly to me. I was like, oh, I've been shielded from this from so long. How dare I? How dare I face the consequences for my actions? So I, in general, the it's just, it's, and I think know, people feel like that's the problem. I think that's the good and the bad. Like the good is that people like us, like we're, we want to, we want to interact with our readers. We want to interact with our do. audience yeah. and our followers. And, and so we are highly accessible. Like, you know, the fact that I could reply to your newsletter, like you can reply to my newsletter. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I'm, I started a discord group last week to try to move some of my people over off of Facebook into, mm-hmm. so listen, middle-aged women come join me on discord. We're having fun over there. But my daughter, my 15-year-old daughter is helping me do it. Today, she was like, your DMs are open. I was like, yeah, because they have to like message me and tell me that they don't understand how to work Discord. And I have to like help them. (laughs) She was like, ew. She's like, it's so weird that people can talk to you. (laughs) So, but I think that's the thing though, that it's the good and the bad. And I always have to focus on the good, but sometimes the bad does kind of come to the surface. But for every bit of hate mail you get, like Mm -hmm. there's so many other people who love what you do. So- so you have to, you I think to just the, focus on the positive. The other part of the thing, the, the issue is that we're, is when we're kind of out here, when we're our own business, our own writers put out our own content, we're kind of our own judge too. Mm-hmm. And you have to figure out what feedback you need and what feedback you don't. Because if you just write in a vacuum, if you're like, I don't care what anybody thinks, like you're going to tell crappy jokes because we don't hear laughter. So if you, you have to look at engagement rates, you have to see what people are liking and retweeting. You have to figure it out and zero in on that. But at the same time, it makes it so easy to like, overemphasize any one particular piece of feedback. Like you said earlier with that book of yours that I loved, you said you were doubting it and I gave you that that blurb and it made you feel so good. I mean, that happens to me too. You write something and you don't know about it. You get one awesome comment. And you're like, yeah, I guess it was all worthwhile. 50,000 people read it, but one person really liked it and I'm going to base it on that. But the problem is when you give it that kind of weight, when you get that one nasty comment, it's like, oh, Oh, maybe I'm trash. <laughs> I don't know now. <laughs> Everybody hates me. I'm never going to publish yes. this book. Yeah, thank God you liked uh, it. I would have trashed that book. I'd have been like, well, I guess <laughs> I guess it's bad. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, yeah. it's like one of my best sellers, but whatever. You know? oh. Big mistake, Random House. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, I could talk for hours on Substack. I'm so, I mean, this was really interesting. And I would tell you that I'm going to start a Substack, but what are we in? We're in August. School starts in like two weeks. No, it's not happening until like you know what? Maybe twenty twenty three. I I've got a guy you could email and he's okay. going to take you in. He's going to give you all of all of his guys. He's going to make it super easy. And after that, you can totally blow it off. But let let the guys do all the work for you. Or all right, you know, we, we've so, done all this social guy. media stuff. <laughs> And it, it made not that much money off of it. But the one perk is when you come in with all these free people who give you nothing. Yeah. Finally, there's a little bit of free help in Substack. Well, and if you're listening to this podcast, first of all, you must be a super fan because like it's really just my mom and super fans that listen to this podcast. So thank you. I love you all. 
would you mind signing up for my Substack? Like, I don't know how much it's going to be. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I may, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. I just, I'll figure it out. So I'm going to, I'm going to talk to James guy. I'm going to get his guy and I'm going to get my Substack, and then I'm going to invite you guys to it. And, um, I'm like, I'm looking around my office. I'm like, what can I give you? Like, what can I give you? I don't know, but it'll be great. It's going to be great. Maybe I'll, Ooh, I should, I can give you a video of my standup. You guys can see my standup because nobody's hey. seen my standup yet. Unless you were, unless you were there that night and you know, nobody's seen it. So I could do something like that. I don't know. I've got to get creative. And if you have ideas what you want in the Substack, by all means, ask me. Feet pictures, I'm happy to do. I mean, <laughs> you know. Like you know my brother, he so I told when I described to him what Substack was, he said, So it's only fan, but only fans, but with words. And I was like, Yeah, I guess so. So it's it's literally only that. fans with words. I love that. I like okay, okay. Well, see, and I was gonna say, like, you know, years ago I figured out I didn't used to like to put pictures of myself on the internet, but mm-hmm. I figured out that people like to see what I was wearing. And I was like, Oh. <laughs> and so yeah, we could talk about dresses with pockets. Like I know my audience loves Ooh. that. Like I could give you pictures of dresses. Like, come on, guys. So yeah, I'm gonna have to think only fans with words. Okay. <laughs> I think that'll be what I'm gonna call it. That's awesome. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my my G-rated friend. Oh, well, thank you so much for being on here today. This was so interesting. And tell everybody where they can find you and what your books are called and where they can get all those books and how they can join your Substack. All right. So my Substack is jamesbreakwell.substack.com. You can subscribe for free. You don't I I love my free subscribers. Just come on there and read the free part. It's super. I will email you on Thursday as well, but you can just delete that one if you don't want to pay me any money. <laughs> and then you can find me on Twitter at exploding unicorn or on Facebook if you search for James Breakwell. On Instagram, I'm James underscore Breakwell. I've plugged too many things now. People have tuned out, but my most recent book is The Chosen 12. It's my sci-fi debut. And it was it, it made it to book number two, so it can't be terrible. And then the my most recent nonfiction book is How to Be a Man, Whatever That Means, Lessons in Modern Masculinity from a Questionable Source. And I assure you, there is no more questionable source than me. I mean, I feel like, yeah, we just didn't even get into it today. But like, I mean, like, you have to follow him and read all his stuff because he's such he has such adventures. You have four daughters. Four daughters, four daughters, four daughters, and two pigs, two pigs, as we've just we've figured out at the beginning here, a wife. Mm-hmm. He's completely outnumbered in his house. And it is so much fun to read his content. And he just has I feel like I mean, maybe that's what I need. I need more kids and animals. And then I'd have more to write about. Yes, it's, you know, the disasters lead to more content. They also lead to more expenses, too. So I'm really yeah. not sure what the return on investment is on that one. Right. I know. I think I'll just make a weekly, you know, I went to Costco and here are the assholes I ran into like that. I could, <laughs> that's all I need, like and pictures of my dog. So I don't know. This mm-hmm. is fun now. Now I'm going to figure this out. So yeah, Substack's going to be a thing. I'm going to do this. Well, thank you, James. This was really, really, really informative. And everybody, please go out and buy his books and follow him on social media. You'll love his books. His books are hilarious, you guys. I, I blurb at least one of them. You did and, blurb one. Yes. Yeah. And so his books are hilarious. In fact, I was looking for it today on my shelf over there. I think I loaned it out to one of my other dad blogger friends when I was coaching him on how to write a book. I was like, oh, you should look at this Ooh. book. So yeah, but I, I never got it back. I need to find out where it is. So I'm going to call him up and be like, where's my book? That's why I don't loan out books. We should never loan out books. Just get it from the library if I recommend it. But thank you so much. Follow James everywhere. He's hilarious. You'll have a great time. I never lead you wrong. I promise. And I'll talk to you guys all next week or in a month whenever I put on a new episode. Bye.
Thanks for listening and subscribing to the No Pants Required with Jen Man podcast. Don't forget to follow me on social media and subscribe to my newsletter at jenmanwrites.com. My newest book, Midlife Bites, Anyone Else Falling Apart or Is It Just Me? is available now everywhere books are sold. I'm also getting ready to put on some pants and leave my house. I'm headed out on book tours starting in April. So check my website, jenmanwrites.com for details. I'm adding new dates all the time, so keep checking back. And the best way to find out is to subscribe to my newsletter. I'll see you on the road. Bye. Bye.